Chapter Twenty Nine of the Cossacks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by David Cole. The Cossacks by Leo Tolstoy. Translated by Louise and Aylmer Maud. Chapter Twenty Nine. It was August. For days the sky had been cloudless, the sun scorched unbearably, and from early morning the warm wind raised a whirl of hot sand from the sand-drifts and from the road, and bore it in the air through the reeds, the trees, and the village. The grass and the leaves on the trees were covered with dust, the roads and dried-up salt-marshes were baked so hard that they rang when trodden on. The water had long since subsided in the terek, and rapidly vanished and dried up in the ditches. The slimy banks of the pond near the village were trodden bare by the cattle, and all day long you could hear the splashing of water and the shouting of girls and boys bathing. The sand drifts and the reeds were already drying up in the steppes, and the cattle lowing ran into the fields in the daytime. The boars migrated into the distant reed-beds, and to the hills beyond the terek. Mosquitoes and gnats swarmed in thick clouds over the lowlands and villages. The snow-peaks were hidden in grey mist. The air was rarefied and smoky. It was said that abreks had crossed the now shallow river, and were prowling on this side of it. Every night the sun set in a glowing red blaze. It was the busiest time of the year. The villages all swarmed in the melon-fields and the vineyards. The vineyards, thickly overgrown with twining verdure, lay in cool, deep shade. Everywhere, between the broad, translucent leaves, ripe, heavy black clusters peeped out. Along the dusty road from the vineyards the creaking carts moved slowly, heaped up with black grapes. Clusters of them crushed by the wheels, lay in the dirt. Boys and girls in smocks stained with grape-juice, with grapes in their hands and mouths, ran after their mothers. On the road you continually came across tattered labourers with baskets of grapes on their powerful shoulders. Cossack maidens, veiled with kerchiefs to their eyes, drove bullocks harnessed to carts laden high with grapes. Soldiers who happened to meet these carts asked for grapes, and the maidens, clambering up without stopping their carts, would take an armful of grapes and drop them into the skirts of the soldiers' coats. In some homesteads they had already begun pressing the grapes, and the smell of the emptied skins filled the air. One saw the blood-red troughs in the penthouses in the yards, and no gay labourers, with their trousers rolled up and their legs stained with the juice. Grunting pigs gorged themselves with the empty skins, and rolled about in them. The flat roofs of the outhouses were all spread over with the dark amber clusters drying in the sun. Doors and magpies crowded round the roofs, picking the seeds and fluttering from one place to another. The fruits of the year's labour were being merrily gathered in, and this year the fruit was unusually fine and plentiful. 
in the shady green vineyards amid a sea of vines laughter songs merriment and the voices of women were to be heard on all sides and glimpses of their bright-coloured garments could be seen just at noon marianka was sitting in their vineyard in the shade of a peach-tree getting out the family dinner from under an unharnessed cart opposite her on a spread-out horse-cloth sat the cornet who had returned from the school washing his hands by pouring water on them from a little jug her little brother who had just come straight out of the pond stood wiping his face with his wide sleeves and gazed anxiously at his sister and his mother and breathed deeply awaiting his dinner the old mother with her sleeves rolled up over her strong sunburnt arms was arranging grapes dried fish and clotted cream on a little low circular tartar table the cornet wiped his hands took off his cap crossed himself and moved nearer to the table the boy seized the jug and eagerly began to drink the mother and daughter crossed their legs under them and sat down by the table even in the shade it was intolerably hot the air above the vineyard smelt unpleasant the strong warm wind passing amid the branches brought no coolness but only monotonously bent the tops of the pear peach and mulberry trees with which the vineyard was sprinkled the cornet having crossed himself once more took a little jug of chikir that stood behind him covered with a vine leaf and having had a drink from the mouth of the jug passed it to the old woman he had nothing on over his shirt which was unfastened at the neck and showed his shaggy muscular chest his fine-featured cunning face looked cheerful neither in his attitude nor in his words was his usual wiliness to be seen he was cheerful and natural shall we finish the bit beyond the shed to-night he asked wiping his wet beard we'll manage it replied his wife if only the weather does not hinder us the Demkins have not half finished yet, she added. Only Ustenka is at work there, wearing herself out. What can you expect of them? said the old man proudly. Here, have a drink, Marianka dear, said the old woman, passing the jug to the girl. God willing, we'll have enough to pay for the wedding feast, she added. That's not yet a while, said the cornet with a slight frown. The girl hung her head why shouldn't we mention it said the old woman the affair is settled and the time is drawing near too don't make plans beforehead said the cornet now we have the harvest to get in have you seen lukashka's new horse asked the old woman that which dmitri andreitch olenin gave him is gone he's exchanged it no i have not but i spoke with a servant to-day said the cornet and he said his master has again received a thousand roubles rolling in riches in short said the old woman the whole family felt cheerful and contented the work was progressing successfully the grapes were more abundant and finer than they had expected after dinner marianka threw some grass to the oxen folded her beshmet for a pillow and lay down under the wagon on the juicy down-trodden grass she had on only a red kerchief over her head and a faded blue print smock yet she felt unbearably hot 
Her face was burning, and she did not know where to put her feet. Her eyes were moist with sleepiness and weariness. Her lips parted involuntarily, and her chest heaved heavily and deeply. The busy time of year had begun a fortnight ago, and the continuous heavy labour had filled the girl's life. At dawn she jumped up, washed her face with cold water, wrapped herself in a shawl, and ran out barefoot to see to the cattle. Then she hurriedly put on her shoes and her beshmet, and, taking a small bundle of bread, she harnessed the bullocks and drove away to the vineyards for the whole day. There she cut the grapes and carried the baskets, with only an hour's interval for rest, and in the evening she returned to the village, bright and not tired, dragging the bullocks by a rope, or driving them with a long stick. After attending to the cattle, she took some sunflower seeds in the white sleeve of her smock, and went to the corner of the street to crack them, and have some fun with the other girls. But as soon as it was dusk she returned home, and after having supper with her parents and her brother in the dark outhouse, she went into the hut, healthy and free from care, and climbed onto the oven, where, half drowsing, she listened to their lodger's conversation. As soon as he went away, she would throw herself down on her bed, and sleep soundly and quietly till morning. And so it went on day after day. She had not seen Lukashka since the day of their betrothal, but calmly awaited the wedding. She had got used to their lodger, and felt his intent looks with pleasure. End of chapter 29 Recording by David Cole Medway, Massachusetts.